Hello everybody, once again it's my joy and, and in fact my privilege to welcome you to our Revelation studies again. And this is part six. I'd also like to remind you that all of these can be found on my website, malcolmheading.com. And of course they also have the full comprehensive notes that you can also find there. So this will also be found there in due course. But welcome, it's great to have you with me <clears throat> as once again we delve into the wonderful mysteries of the book of Revelation. And as I said, this is part six. So we have noted of late, just to recap a little bit, that the seven sealed document that appeared in heaven at the throne of God is the title deed to heaven and earth. And this title deed is purchased by Jesus' blood that he spilt on the cross of Calvary. So he's the one that can open this title deed. And he can, when he opens the last seal of the title deed, he can put his feet upon the earth and all that is in it, and he can, pro he can proclaim that this now is his possession. So that's the story as we have it in the Bible and the book of Revelation so far. By contrast then, the bowl and the trumpet judgments, they give us a more detailed understanding of these events. And they, you can say, are thus a commentary on the seven seals. So by them, we get a better understanding of end time events and of course, because of that, we are better armed to face the days that may now be just around the corner. The trumpet and bowl judgments are therefore not in sequence. We need to understand that. It's very important. They are not in sequence. In other words, the one set of judgments does not follow the other. They are, in fact, in parallel. And this is a typical Hebrew form of writing, and it's called Hebrew parallelism. And so they give us a different perspective of the same events. But actually, as you read the trumpet and the bowl judgments, you will discover that they all come down to the same thing uh, when they come to the very end of the age and the events that surround uh, the end of the age and everything that's going on, they all give you a picture of the same thing. It's quite remarkable. And of course, they all conclude with the remarkable second coming of Jesus in great power and in great glory. So we can see this in that the trumpet judgments as they get to the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgment, they tell a story of a vast army coming down across the Euphrates River and into the Middle East arena. I'd like to read to you from Revelation chapter 9 and verses 13 to 16. Listen to these words. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, 
which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. So here we have uh, this uh, terrifying story that the river Euphrates is a type of barrier and uh, there are hidden angels who are positioned there to restrain uh, an invasion force that will come down and lead to the destruction of millions upon the earth. We see the same picture in the sixth bowl, <clears throat> in the sixth bowl judgment, excuse me, where in verse 12 of the bowl judgments, we read this. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Same thing. And its waters dried up so that the way of the kings from the east may be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth, out of the of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So here we see once again when the sixth bowl is poured out upon the earth, this judgment, and it is poured out on the river Euphrates and it dries up. And then scripture says that this vast army, it's the same picture, but now because it's a perspective of the same events, it gives us a little more information in that it says these are the kings of the east. And he sees an army of 200 million men. That is devastating. Same picture. So it's also interesting to note that between the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgments and the sixth and the seventh bowl judgments, the rapture of the church is portrayed. Now, it's important to see that. As this whole saga is unfolding with this dramatic invasion of the Middle East by the kings of the East, as that is beginning to unfold, both of these judgments, they have the rapture of the church positioned at this time. That is at the end of the tribulation and just before the final arrival of the great day of God's wrath. Now, listen again to the word of God as we have it in Revelation chapter 16. We just read it together and uh, I'm going to read it again because it goes on to say something quite amazing. Revelation chapter 16 and we read once again from verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day 
of God Almighty. And then listen to the next verse. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew called Armageddon. The fascinating thing about this passage is that verse 15 is a parenthesis that goes against the grammatical structure of the text. In other words, it is included in brackets. Jesus is telling you that as these armies descend for the great and final battle of the great day of God's wrath, this is when I am coming. You cannot get it clearer. And so it should read like this. I'm going to leave out the parenthesis or the brackets about the escape of the church by rapture just before the great day of the Lord. Here again. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. That's how it should read. And it does, except there's a parenthesis in brackets in between declaring the wonderful coming of Jesus as a thief for his church. How wonderful. Now, the same thing is given as regards to the trumpet judgments. There's also this uh, parenthesis that takes place between the sixth trumpet and the seventh. And uh, this is really fascinating because it confirms the rest of Scripture. So, as the sixth trumpet is blown and the same picture is revealed that the kings of the east come down into the Middle East arena and they cross the river Euphrates and also uh, there, there is a devastation uh, that befalls humankind. And after that has happened, in other words, as the seventh trumpet is now going to sound, which is the last trumpet, by the way, there is this parenthesis. There's this picture of the church being gathered in heaven. And it's another perspective in parallel uh, to that which is given in the bowl judgments, but it's the same thing. And uh, uh, John has this uh, remarkable picture of the angel of the Lord, which in Scripture actually is a pre-incarnate, always view of Jesus, attributed to Jesus in Scripture. And he comes down with the title deed of heaven. Now he's coming. And he has this title deed book in his hands. And the Bible describes him as one whose face is like the sun in full strength that is shining. It comes from Revelation 1. And his feet, we are told, are like burnished bronze. Again, it's the same picture presented of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And the Bible says that he positions his uh, feet on the earth and on the sea. 
And uh, then he makes a proclamation that in that hour, the mystery of God, as he proclaimed it to the prophets of old, actually is finished. Now, the, mis the mystery of God in the Bible, this unique mystery, is something that Paul speaks about. And this unique mystery is uh, the church of Jesus Christ that is gathered together from the four corners of the earth and brought into the kingdom of God and into the commonwealth of Israel uh, by the love of God and by the death of Jesus on the cross. And Paul says this is a mystery that up until this time has been kept secret or hidden in the ages past, but has now been revealed to his prophets. It's the same type of language. And here there's this proclamation by this glorious one who has put his feet on the earth and on the sea. And he's now opening this final seal. The book we are told actually will be open now. Uh, it's a remarkable picture. And there's this wonderful declaration that the mystery of God has found its completion. Both of these judgments conclude uh, with the coming of Christ. And that's why you cannot put them in sequence. Uh, because that's what the book is all about. The book concludes with the remarkable and glorious and visible and physical and real coming of Jesus to the Mount of Olives. That's what it's about. And uh, the trumpet judgments conclude with that. When the seventh trumpet is, uh, is uh, blown, which is the last trumpet, by the way, as you can well appreciate, we, we have this declaration from heaven. Now listen to it. It's, uh, it's the conclusion by the revelation of Christ. And it says, the seventh angel sound, sounded, that's chapter 11 and verse 15, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Notice it's in the past tense. He shall reign forever and ever. So it's all been wrapped up. It's concluded. And then it says, and the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. Again, it's all in the past tense. You have taken. You've begun to reign because of Jesus' rule. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. So as the seventh or last trumpet is sounded, it's all wrapped up. Jesus comes. He reigns. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And of course, the same picture is given with the bowl judgments. Uh, as we saw, there's this uh, remarkable statement after the sixth judgment uh, uh, of the bowl judgments before the seventh 
that Jesus is now coming. So these trumpet and bowl judgments are not in sequence. Clearly, they are in parallel. Now, the fascinating thing is this, this harmonizes with all of Scripture. I don't need to remind you that uh, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus comes, he will come with a shout and with the trumpet call of the archangel. And the word of God says he will come and call his church to himself and she will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. I'd like to read from you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 51 to 52. A very familiar passage to most of you, but let's just read it again because it's important in a study like this to hear the truth of God's word. And that's what we are all about. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 50 to 52. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. How wonderful. When does that happen? It happens at the last trumpet. Are you listening? So if there's a last trumpet, it means there were trumpet blasts that went before. That's not rocket science. That's just the teaching of the Bible. That Jesus comes for his church at the last trumpet. And this is exactly what John says in the book of Revelation. As the last trumpet sounds, the rapture of the church takes place and she is withdrawn to, to meet him in the air as he comes to pour out his wrath upon the world. And just as the armies of the world are coming down into the Middle East for the great day of the Lord, the day of his wrath, the Bible says that Jesus proclaims he's coming for a thief for his church. He will remove her from the day of wrath. She will be glorified as she rushes to meet him in the air as he comes again to take up his glorious throne. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we find the same thing is stated in verses 13 to 18 where Paul is encouraging believers to know that they have a hope if they die. Because when Jesus comes, he says, he comes with a loud shout and with a trumpet blast. It's the same thing. And the dead in Christ are raised. And we who are alive are transformed with them. And we rise to meet him as he comes in visible power and glory pour out his wrath upon the world 
and the nations and the captains, we are told, and the kings of the earth will cry out, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb as they see him oncoming to judge them for their wickedness and their sin. So there are some things to note then that I wish to bring to your attention. These are all wonderful truths that we've looked at. And uh, the trumpet and the bowl judgments are quite terrifying. I stated at the beginning of the study that they serve as a commentary on the seven seals. And they in themselves, as we've noted as well, uh, are similar to the signs that Jesus gave in Matthew 24. And uh, these judgments that are pictured in the trumpet and bowl judgments, as I said, are quite terrifying. But you know, the Bible says that their chief goal is an expression of the love of God. And that is true because God has repentance in mind. It's God's last attempt to reach out to an ungodly world, a world that has become so wicked and evil like that of uh, Noah's day, uh, where he was going to destroy them. And, and, uh, and yet God brings this judgment in the bowls and the trumpets as an attempt to get their attention and... Uh, to save them. And we read that in chapter 9 of Revelation. It's a sad passage, really, because in verse 20 to 21 of chapter 9, we read this. And in response to these judgments, this is what happens. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So, even in these judgments, there's an expression of the love of God, that he's, he's seeking one final time to reach whoever will listen to repent and to surrender their lives to Jesus, that they may be freed from the wrath to come, the day of the Lord, and that they might be saved. Even the book of Acts says that in Acts chapter 2, where Peter preaching talks of the coming great and terrible day of the Lord, and he says, you know what? Whoever calls out to the Lord on that day will be saved. There's an opportunity before the awesomeness and the terrifying nature of these judgments before the earth for people to repent. And uh, this is a call for you and me to live our lives as we should for God. I'm talking to each and every one of us. We, we have to live lives that are sold out to God, my friends. We have to surrender completely to Jesus and we have to serve him every day of our lives and we have to invite his purpose and his will into all that we are doing. Are you listening? Am I listening? It's so important. So these judgments then give us a picture of what end time events will actually look like. And I want to just draw your attention to the following. 
there will be increasing natural disasters that the world will write off to global warming instead of to global warning. That's true. These will initiate serious illnesses and pandemics. Jesus said there will be pestilences because of them. The sea and the waters will increasingly become polluted. The luminaries in the heavens will begin to do strange things. The Bible says that. There will be the shaking going on. And even the luminaries will display strange things and signs in the heavens, said Jesus. Same thing in these judgments. You can read them one after the other. They go in parallel. They give different perspectives on the same events. Demonic entities will begin to flood the earth. They will emerge, we are told, out of the bottomless pit where they have been restrained for many centuries. Actually, Hitler believed that he had been in contact and commissioned by these beings. That's true. He believed that. These will now bring forth a dark antichrist king who will arise with them and rule the earth for a brief but very difficult period for the church. And uh, the word of God is clear that the Antichrist, about whom we'll have more to say, is actually half man and half devil. He comes up out of the abyss. And, uh, uh, and these demonic beings spill onto the earth out of this bottomless pit, we are told uh, in the scripture. And uh, it's a terrifying thought, but the Antichrist himself comes out of that. So he's a demonoid. He is a hybrid human being. And uh, that's incredible. Something of like happened in the days of Noah, where demonic beings came down, mingled with the human race and bred a hybrid race who were no longer human beings, but they were part devil, they were part man. And this is one of the reasons we are told that God brought a flood on them, to destroy them, because they threatened the very viability of the homo sapien race. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Well, the book of Revelation confirms that. This antichrist being comes up out of the abyss. Listen to Revelation 11 and verse 7. When they finish their testimony, that's the two witnesses, the beast, that's the Antichrist, that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. So where does this beast come from? No, he has an unnatural origin. He comes up out of the bottomless pit. We are living in days where demonic activity upon the earth is increasing in activity. And more than ever, we need to be covered by the grace, the love of God, and by the wonderful power of God in the blood of Jesus. The next thing we need to note is this, a global conflict of huge proportions will befall the earth bringing great destruction and death to its population. That's what it teaches. Not my thoughts, 
these kings from the east, they come down and millions of people are swept up into a global conflict of huge proportions. It's a terrifying picture, really. But we also learn from the trumpet and bowl judgments that Jesus will snatch his church away as he comes in great power and glory to take possession of that which he has purchased by the spilling of his blood. He will take up his throne. He will vindicate Israel. He will vindicate the church. And he will, the Bible tells us, rule the nations with a rod of iron. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So some final thoughts before we finish our study today. The Apostle John is also given a book by an angel that is sweet in taste, but bitter to the stomach. Very interesting terminology. And uh, we find this in Revelation 10. And I'm going to read to you from verses 8 to 11. Then the voice of which, which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is opened in the hand of the angel. That's the title deed of heaven. That's, this is immediately after the angel has descended with a shining face like the sun, with burnished bronze feet, with the book, the title deed of heaven and earth in his hands, and he's standing upon the earth and the sea. So I went to the angels and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and he ate it, and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Well, that's a fascinating insight into the working of God. This book can also be called the Word of God. And, uh, and for the believer, the word of God is precious and the word of God is sweet. How wonderful the word of God is. The book of Psalms, chapter 81 and verse 16, says that the word of God is, is like honey. It, it's really just wonderful. It, it fills our hearts with such joy to, to eat it as we eat it and as we take it. It's so blessed. It, it's, uh, it's truth is so amazing and satisfying. It, 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 it conjures up a desire in us for more of this incredible book. And of course, we know what uh, Psalm 119 says in verse 105, that your word is a light uh, to my path and, uh, and uh, it shines a blessing on my feet, that it's, it, it just leads me in the way of life and uh, brings me into the righteousness of God. And, uh, and blesses my soul with such blessedness. However, parts of its message are considered hard to swallow. As uh, John found out, uh, when it went down into his stomach, it, it gave him the rumbles. He had a bitter stomach. Uh, we know what that is. We often experience it. And it's just so unpalatable. It's just hard to 
uh, endure. And uh, the Bible can be like that. It can be terrifying to some Christians, especially the book of Revelation, because of the things of which it speaks. So we just don't want to go near there. And, and that betrays the fact that our hearts and lives are not anchored uh, in the sovereignty of God and in who he is and what his character is like and in the fact that Jesus has not given us a spirit of fear but of love and power and of a sound mind that the Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and uh, these things will anchor us. They anchored John but he, he experienced this this bitterness because the events that he sees are so sorrowful and uh, hard to take. But nevertheless, we need to know them. These are days, my friends, where these events are pressing down upon us. All around us, you can see them in everything that's happening across the earth today. The book of Revelation is becoming like a morning newspaper. We see it, we understand it, we should read it. It is certainly true that we are facing days of great upheaval now. More than ever, then, we must feast on this wonderful book called the Bible, and in particular, on the book of Revelation, even if its warnings and its teachings are hard to take. The bride must be readied for the coming of her king. And therefore, she must be told the truth. Selah. This is Malcolm Heading.